you know, uh, spending, spending, spending 10 years in the Air Force, I, I love the military. I still read books on the military. I read biographies on, on different military guys, and it always intrigues me. And, and there was a book that I was reading, a condensed version of, uh, it's called The Colossal Blunders of War, The Colossal Blunders of War by William Woods. And he makes this quote. He makes this quote that really causes me to, to think about it. We had a nice little army until this war came along and messed up everything. You know, and, and it's like, you know what? Attacks and battles and wars, they do mess up a lot of different things. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22, says, at the very moment they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Let's pray. Father God, as we jump into the next month, month and a half, Father, in probably the, the most in-depth series and probably one of the most important series that I've ever shared. And Father, that as we open up and break them into little segments, that Father will understand the importance and the significance of everything that is said. And Father, that your heart's desire is we just don't worship you in our definition of worship, but Father, that you desire us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, just let us understand what that is over the next couple of weeks. Let me be able to convey that. And if we really believe it's the end times, then, Father, we need to be equipped and trained to go do what you've called us to do, to be who you desire us to be, so that none should perish, but all should come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I just, Lord, give me the words to say to begin to equip people in Jesus' name. Everybody said you know, like I said, I, I love history, I love studying history, and as modern technology makes the world smaller and smaller, it becomes increasingly possible that a single act of violence in a, in, in a remote location could instigate a global conflict because of things going viral and stuff like that. But it's not just today, but if you go back to World War I, and, and living in Europe and being able to study and, and recently being in Albania and Kosovo, in World War I, it was said to have started with a single act of violence when Archduke Ferdinand and his wife from Austria were assassinated with two shots. Two shots in a little country that, that probably isn't really that significant and really didn't matter of two small countries, but, but think about those two shots in regards to World War I, that it led to more than 16 million deaths in countries around the world. And a conflict that started in one little nation resulted in a worldwide casualty as a whole. And you begin to think about that, and that's a natural battle, a natural picture of war. And so where you parallel biblically that the spiritual realm, we find ourselves in a battle in the book of Genesis, we see that Lucifer, who was the lead worshiper at that time, and he took one-third of the angels in rebellion against God because he wanted to be God, and he wanted to be adored as God was adored. And you think about that, that since the book of Genesis all the way till now, that conflict has spilled into our everyday lives. That conflict affects everyone 
all over the world. And the devil has been tempting the people of God since the Garden of Eden to walk out on God. He's been, he's been causing distractions and all those things. Because let me tell you, in this war, there's two sides. There's God and Satan. And if you were at first service this morning, it was crazy. Our soundboard was just shutting off. And I thought, my wife said, what do they think is going on with the sound? I said, I don't know. It's just spiritual warfare. I preach on worship, and, and what? They shut the sound off. And, but, the, the, but the people it just kept pressing through and, and the presence of God. But when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart as our personal Lord and Savior, then I want you to realize that we are, are declaring war against the kingdom of darkness in our life. That when you say, yes, I'm going to be born again, I'm serving Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, then all of a sudden you are, have entered into a fight. And even up to that point before you say, yes, Jesus, think about the war that goes on in your mind, in your heart, saying, man, I want to get my heart to Jesus, but I need to clean up first. Or, you know, they don't know what I've done or whatever it is in our life. And there's a battle that goes on between our heart and our mind. Well, I want you to understand this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And I, in this series, I'm going to start with militant worship. And then as Scott said, I'll go to Goliath's sword. It's how to use the enemy's weapon against him. And then we'll, then we'll go into end times, who really is our enemy. Because this is saying, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So when we are born again, we are born into war. See, the problem in the church, we say, hey, if you give your heart to Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful and fine. And let me tell you, you're going to have joy, and you're going to have peace, and things are going to be better because you have Christ in you. But not everything is going to be easy. No, when we are born again, when you give your heart to Christ, we are born into war. Therefore, everything that we do must be have, or we must understand, a hint of spiritual violence. And why is that? Because Ephesians 6 says we are operating against adversarial forces that we can't see in our life. Now, the word against, everybody say against. So the Bible says that, that they are against. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against, against evil rulers. And then it begins to say that. The word against in the Greek indicates proximity or closeness. Proximity or closeness. It's the same word that John 1.1 talks about when it talks about how close the Word of God is to God. You've got to understand how close the spiritual battle is so you recognize, and I'm, I'm not saying everything's caused by the devil, but there is a lot of things that the enemy has roots in that causes in our life that we need to recognize what's going on. I'll give you an example. Uh, they filled our propane up just the other day. Well, I got a phone call yesterday at 4 o'clock from the MFA propane guy. I didn't answer it because I didn't realize, recognize the number. And then he called back, and I thought, it's got to be important because anybody knows me, they call me twice if, if I don't answer. And so I, so I answered the phone, and I said, hey. And he's like, hey, this is the propane guy. And he said, I want you to let you know. He said, you are at 15%. You're not going to make it to tomorrow morning. And, uh, and I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, I can't get back there because the snow is drifted. And I'm like, well, we just plowed the snow. So I said, okay. He said, but I, I know you need to have, I want to have church. And, and I'm thinking, okay, we've got, you know, man, we canceled last week. And, 
And, and then I was like wondering, what's the propane guy doing calling me at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon when they work Monday through Friday? I'm like, that's a God thing. Come on, say amen. And so I called our, our snowplow guy. He plowed it out. 30 minutes later, we had propane. And, and I thought, man, because you know what? The enemy knew we were going to have a militant night of praise and worship tonight. Amen. Come on. And he was coming against that. And the sound today, the sound today, I was like, that, I don't know last time that's ever happened. And they went back there. They said, it just turned off. So I want you to understand how close the enemy is battling you. But this gives us an indication how so close he is. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. The word is the same word as against, which means close proximity or closeness. And the word was God. Think how close that is. That's really, the word was God, and it's saying that is how close it is. And that's how close we are to the principalities and powers that Ephesians 6 says that desires our destruction. As a boring and Christian, I want you to realize your enemies don't sleep. They don't slumber. Night and day, they're working dastardly, wicked schemes to eliminate the name of Jesus off the face of the earth. And how do they eliminate the face of Jesus off the earth, the name of Jesus off the face of the earth? They eliminate the body of Christ because a head can't function without a body. And they want nothing more than to rob the earth of the glory of God that reflects Christ in all those things. And they're refining their weapons and they're tailoring their plans to keep each generation out of the presence and the glory and the power of God. And so the question is, is the church, is the church keeping pace with the spiritual arms race? Because, see, the battle is to stay in the presence of God despite the attacks of the adversary. That is militant worship. Everybody say worship. See, because in the end times, if we truly believe we're, we're approaching that or in it or whatever your theological bent is, then, then in, in that aspect that says the love of many, the love of many will grow wax cold. And it just doesn't happen that we grow wax cold, but what happens is we begin to slowly get cold. You know, if you take a candle and you blow the, the wick out, you know, that wax that has liquid, or that is now liquid doesn't immediately go back to being solid immediately. It takes a process of time. Well, that's what we've got to understand, that, that in the world and in our relationship with Christ and in the church, we have to understand that, that the enemy is going to slowly be that, and we've got to understand the depth and the heart of militant worship. Everybody say worship. And the first war in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 14, the first Natural war is found in Genesis chapter 14, and it describes the war of nine kings. And it's where the nine kings attack where Lot, Abram's nephew, was living, or Abraham's nephew and his family. Lot and his family and everything around it was seized and conquered by the enemy. Abram, this is before he's Abraham, the father of faith, found out his, net, Lot, his nephew Lot had been taken captive, and I love this here. He calls out 318 trained men that was born in his house. Don't miss this. Born in his house. And these 318 trained men go in pursuit, Genesis 14, 14. And to give you a, an overview of the story, they, they recovered all the goods that were lost in the battle. They brought back everything from Lot, his family, all his possessions. Brought back all the women, the children, and the people who are taken captive at the end of the story. But he was victorious. 
He was victorious, but it required a lot of resources. It required a lot of energy. It required a lot of skill and time. And these two verses, Genesis 14, 14, why is this story so significant? And 1 Corinthians 10, 11 gives us a picture of what is there. And in Genesis 14, 14, it said, When Abraham heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. So these were sons of the house. These were, were children of the house. And then he pursued Kedalomar's army until he caught up with them at Dan. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Everybody say worship. I want to start looking at these verses and unpack it in regards to militant worship. Abraham, the father of faith, and our example had 318 trained men that he had trained, that he had equipped, that he had armed, all of them. And in January 2024, as we start this this militant worship series, as we move in to learn how to use the enemy's weapons that he tries to use against us, against him. As we begin to understand and recognize who truly our enemy is, it's not your spouse, it's not your family, it's not your friends, it's not your boss, it's not flesh and blood. That's where it begins. And that's where it's going to begin tonight as we begin to be equipped in this night of militant worship. And, and we've got a great night planned and we're, we're providing childcare for zero to kindergartens. But God is arming you for victory so that when you begin to ask and you begin to seek and you begin to knock in your life and then you ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, that then the door will be open to you. Because the problem is, we don't know how to fight through that because we've become passive. And in this very first war mentioned in the Bible, we see that God's people were already trained and already equipped. The problem with the Christian culture in the church today, as Christians, we are completely unprepared for the attacks that come against us. We are complete, why, how do I know that? Because we don't prepare for the attacks that come against us. We don't understand, we dismiss, or we have been desensitized by, by, by Hollywood of what actually evil is all about. I mean, I don't know if you watch that Gypsy Rose series, but, but that is absolute evil that was there. And so many people in the body of Christ, the way I know that we're unprepared, because the only time we press in and really worship God is when we need God. When we desperately need God, all of a sudden we want the church open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but, but, but when we're prepared, we're worshiping God when we're at our best. And so when that attack comes, we're not freaked out by it in our life. And I believe God has in this house for a season of preparation and the Holy Spirit is a training us, he's equipping us, he's arming us for battles that we're going to encounter in 2024 that has yet to be seen. And let me tell you, during 21 days of prayer, it's been crazy. I mean, frozen pipes, I've never heard of people having so many frozen pipes. 
been praying. I'm like, man, God, what is going on? Just extremely crazy. Or a barn burning down, or whatever it is. Or health and sickness. And all of a sudden, man, we're pressing in. I mean, we had a guy in the church the other day, he sneezed so hard that he ruptured something in his intestine. I mean, we, but now he's here today. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. I mean, it's stupid stuff. And I'm like, it's got to be something bigger than, than what it is. And we've got to be ready. Everybody say, I must be ready. Now follow me. A passive church, a passive Christian, you know what we do? We run from the battle and seek shelter at all costs. We don't run to the battle. I think Scott said it so beautifully. And we'll be sharing that in a couple of weeks. David didn't run from the battle. You know, every, all the other army, they didn't go. But David ran to the battle. And a passive church and a passive Christian, we run from the battle at all costs. We'll compromise and take the, weapon, the weapons that God has given us and turn them into maintenance tools. Joel chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Say to the nations far and wide, get ready for war. Get ready for war. Call out your best warriors. That's what we're doing tonight at Night of Worship. We're calling out our best warriors. Let all your fighting meet in advance for attack for there. And then it says, hammer your plowshares or hammer your shovels into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And I love this. Train even your weaklings to be warriors. Train even your weaklings to be warriors. God wants us to get there as a church and as a Christian where we're not a weakling, where we're not just a maintainer in our, our Christian walk, but we become a warrior. Everybody say warrior. And we, the problem is people say, well, you know, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says, neither shall they learn war anymore. And I get that, but that's a prophecy when we get to heaven because in heaven there's no more war. But while we're here on earth, it's going to be a battle all the time, Amen. And we've jumped the gun. And the problem with churches and Christians is we are taking the deadly weapons of the Holy Spirit and we're using them to maintain the gardens of the church in our lives. We're maintaining the church. Is the church advancing? Is the church going forward? Is it going out there? Where grace abounds, where sin abounds, so where grace so much more abounds. And I believe in 2024, we're turning the corner, we're taking the sleeve off, and we're going to take our plowshares, we're going to take our shovels, as Joel says, if the times are truly ending, and we're going to switch them into shovels. It's time, and it begins with worship. Everybody say worship. Because the Word of God, the Bible says, what? The Word of God is like the sword of the Spirit. Didn't say the shovel of the Spirit. Didn't say dig a hole and put your head in it. No, it said rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? Rightly divide the word of truth. Which one would you rather go to war with? This or this? If you'd rather go to war with this, say amen. If you'd rather go to war with this, say amen. amen. And that's what it is. And you know what? If you don't want to be a warrior and you want to be a maintainer, if you don't want to be a warrior and you want to be a gardener, that's cool. But guess what? You're not going to live in victory in every day of your life. And I believe prophetically 
Because worship is a weapon, not a church growth strategy. Worship is a weapon. It's not a style. It's not your favorite song. It's not coming up here with all the electrical stuff that does all the stuff. And I understand why we do that. David was a skilled musician, but that's not worship. It's not three songs. It's not I surrender all. And let me tell you, I want to come up and I surrender and say, man, surrender your sin, surrender your sickness, surrender your guilt. And the Holy Spirit said, save it for tonight. We have prematurely Turn the deadliest arsenal on the planet in the local church to a commune. Man, we're not warriors, we're a commune. Have y'all watched that show? My son was showing me the other day. I didn't even know what was going on. Uh, commune in La Plata, Missouri. Have y'all seen that? That's a stupid show. I mean, they're down there digging in dumpsters. And eating meat out of dumpsters. I'm like, hello. Yeah, it's called commune or cult is what it's called. I think it's just stupid. But but I'm prophesying that Family of Life Fellowship is going to be turned, start turning their shovels back into swords. And it's time for us to take the weapons that we've been using to maintain the garden and the comfortability of our lives and turn them back into machines for war, for advancing the gospel. It's time for us to run to the altar and get some fire and fight for the Christ. Turn those weapons, modernize our weapons. We need to modernize our weapons. So the question is, are you ready to modernize your weapons? That's what tonight is. We're going to begin to modernize, and we'll share and, and go with that. But the question is, are you ready? Because if we're not properly trained, and if we're not modernized, and if we're not equipped, then victory in this battle will be impossible. See, if you study in that same book, The Blunders of War, in the 19th century in the Meiji Restoration of Japan, it was a transition between the imperial army and the samurais. The samurais were the protectors of Japan. They were the elite warriors of the time. They felt that it was their job to protect. And they did what it is. But then this transformation started to happen. Everybody say transformation. And the samurai didn't like that the imperial army started modernizing their weapons. They started getting machine guns and rifles and cannons and using gunpowder. And they felt that in their tradition, to preserve their tradition, they refused to modernize their weapons. And the samurai felt that themselves was the greatest weapon. And as honorable as it may sound, guess what? Spears, karate stars, Samurai swords didn't stand up too well against Gatlin guns and cannons, amen? And the samurais only had their traditional weaponry. And the imperial army had this full array at their disposal. And if you read the book, you begin to see what happens. And while I admire the samurais' courage and bravery, they were no match for a modernized army. And they lost the battle to preserve their traditions. And the samurai all slowly, eventually disappeared. And I want you to hear my heart. Tradition should be honored. And tradition should be respected for the place they hold in history. But there comes a time that we have to move on. Everybody say move on. Because see, 
what happens is we don't understand that there's a difference between the method and the message. The message, the sword, the word of God is sacred. But the methods are different. For the first 20 years at this church, we did bus ministry. We bust in hundreds of kids every week, visited every kid every week, gave them a gift, prepared them a lunch. At the height of our bus ministry, 900 kids, zero to, to seniors in, or three years old to seniors in high school. But then the Holy Spirit said it's time to move on because it's not working anymore. You need to start reaching the families because if you reach the families, then you'll get the whole family, not just the children. And so you know what? After 20 years of bus ministry, we stopped it. You know what? For a long time, 15 years, 16 years, we had Sunday morning church. We had Sunday night church. We had Wednesday night church. We had Sunday school. We had all this stuff. We had big events. Some of y'all may remember Dad's Fest. Thousands of people would come to Dad's Fest. Thousands of people would come to Rocktoberfest, a Halloween alternative, all those kind of things. But the kingdom of God wasn't growing. And God said, hey, you know what? Man, you're not seeing any return on that. What you need to do is you need to go to small groups. Small groups where people can build real, genuine, life-giving, authentic relationships where they can grow and be protected and, and begin to mature and all those things. The message is sacred, not the methods. Amen? So this is true in the spirit realm as well as the natural realm. The spiritual warfare is more deadly than the natural warfare because it deals with eternity. And both believers and non-believers become casualties in this battle. Satan's goal, John 10, 10, is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal. Steal, kill, and destroy. And we have to recognize that these forces are in and battling us every moment of our lives, every day. The enemy is coming against you. He's slow. He's methodical, but he's attacking you. And we've got to wake up. Everybody say, wake up. And we've got to turn our plowshares, our shovels back into swords. We've got to quit maintaining and start being militant. Everybody say militant in our relationship with Christ, being combative, taking a stand for what it is. And that's what we're going to talk about. But we've got to recognize. And then what's so cool is we start, when you start using the enemy's weapons against him, it's totally blows you away. But, but listen to me. Why did Satan fall? Because he wanted, to, he wanted people to worship him. Now watch this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. See, the question is, are we making most of every opportunity in these evil days? And so I want to share the first plowshare or shovel that we use every week. But a lot of us are entertained by it. A lot of us are spectators of it. But it needs to be turned back into a weapon of warfare in 2024. And it's one word. Everybody say worship. It's worship. It's worship. It's not three slow songs. It's not three fast songs that we call praise and three slow songs. It's not your favorite worship band. But it's warring for the glory of God. It's wanting to preserve the presence of God in our midst. Because let me tell you, start reading the end times, and when God removes his presence, the world goes chaotic, amen? And what does Satan want to do? He wants to keep you out of the presence of God. 
Satan wants to keep you out of the power of God. Satan wants to keep you away from the glory of God. And that's why he continually tries to block, form a connection with the Word. He's happy. He's happy when we maintain the garden. Man, he don't want us to go to battle. Why is that? Because Psalm 1611 and Nehemiah 8.10 says, In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. Well, what is the joy? Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Our enemy doesn't want us to be strong. He wants us to be weak and timid and opposite in our life. Our enemy wants to keep us weak and ineffective because when we're ineffective against him, then we're ineffective in building and advancing the kingdom of God. Look back at your life. Think about this. How many times have you attempted to get into the presence of God only to have your phone ring? Only to have a child cry? Only to have the propane guy call you at 4 o'clock on Saturday and say, hey, you're about out of propane. Something out of the blue comes up to take you out of the presence of God. It's just like, like today, because what happened when the sound out? First thing, what happened to the sound? Man, there's the sound. We'll talk about that, unpack that next week. The enemy wants to keep you from the glory of God. But the Bible says, it gives us a promise that says we can go from glory to glory. Psalm 22, verse 3, but you are holy. You inhabit the praises of your people. If the presence of God is our priority in 2024, then worship, everybody say worship. Worship, pure, unadulterated, real, genuine, authentic worship has to be our priority in 2024. We've got to rethink Oh, yeah, I like that song. I like the old songs. I like the new songs. I like the slow songs. I like the fast songs. I like whatever. Let me tell you, for me, I've always defined praise as the ultimate experience and worship as the ultimate relationship. But for our purposes in this series, praise and worship is going to be interchangeably used, okay? Amen? Praise invokes the presence of God. The presence of God. Praise invokes the presence where you can bring his atmosphere in the most difficult situation. And worship increases the square footage that God is able to inhabit in our lives. See, when we start worshiping from the heart in spirit and in truth, then suddenly the square footage inside our lives, the presence of God in our lives, is absolutely amazing. That's what we're going to begin to practice tonight in militant worship. You know, I forgot to say this at first service, but we just had an opportunity. We're going to be going out this spring, and they invited us out to do a concert. But I love what it is because the person who invited us out goes to church here, and she understands our heart. She goes, I don't want just like an entertainment concert, but we're going out to the Moberly Prison and doing a worship concert. Come on, say Amen. We're believing that those people in midnight, there will be a transformation moment. All I'm saying is it's time to modernize the weapons of worship, both corporately as a church and individually as a Christian. You know, as I've shared, this here, you know what it means? It means guaranteed victory. Guaranteed victory. That every time I clap my hat, I'm going to have guaranteed victory in my marriage. I'm going to have guaranteed victory in my health. I'm going to have guaranteed victory in my finances. I'm going to have guaranteed victory in my walk with Christ, whatever it is in my life. 
We were sharing, somebody was sharing a word the other day that, that they got it, and, and the word Nike is actually Nikeo, which means to lift a banner in victory, that when they were fighting, and you know, you were fighting in battle, what they would do is, is they would, if they started losing or they were starting to make a big advance, they would lift up a, a banner, you know, Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner of victory. And they would start shouting, Nikio, Nikio. Then all the other warriors would run around and, and resemble around them. And let me tell you, we've had some things that, that, that has happened during 21 days of prayer where we have got into unity and uniformity and communion and all those things. And, and we practice communion Tuesday night for tonight. And, and man, when you get into that, that, that uniformity, it's amazing what God can do. Amen? Because we're rallying around each other, calling victory, and God's doing miracles and all those things. And what I'm saying, I'm not talking about styles and, and sounds and bells and whistles, but we're going back to the biblical model of how to be effective in the modern day. Everybody say worship. Because the time for over-organized, entertained resemblance of a word of God, but we're not getting that. We're getting back to the word of God. And we're not going to be spectators, but we're going to be warriors. We're not going to be carrying shovels into church to dig our little hole, our comfortable spot, our foxhole. But man, we're going to lift up our sword and be warriors for Christ, taking back, being forcefully advancing. Joshua, man, we're going to march around and we're going to shout. We're going to shabak. Listen, worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. Let me try to give you a, a sample of what I'm talking about. Temper, come on up and... In the next two weeks, I'm going to, this week, and I'm going to really base off the story next week on this story. <coughs> but it's when King Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, and Judah means praise. Everybody say praise. <coughs> so he was the king of praise. And there's an array of armies coming against him in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There's an array of armies coming against him. And I want you to listen. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, to say, how did worship affect the outcome of this battle? How did militant worship affect the outcome of this battle? Listen to what it says. Pick it up verse 17. And study it this week for yourself. Second Chronicles chapter 17, or chapter 20, 17 through 24. But you will not even need to fight. I'm in a battle, but hold on. They're coming against me. But you will not even need to fight. That's, I'm, I'm grabbing onto that prophetic word because they prepared. Take your position. So you still do all the stuff. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Man, it's not victory in me. It's victory in him. He is with you, O people of Judah, praise, and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Everybody say, with me. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground his forehead's touching the ground. He set the example. The king, the praise, king of praise, set the example. The, the Hebrew word is proscunio, the forehead touching the ground in worship. And watch, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Can you imagine millions of people with their forehead? I mean, they're about to go to battle. Man, they're laying on their face. They're not, they're laying on their face. Then the Levites, the priests, the worship team from the clans of Koath and Korah stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. The word shout there is Shabbat, which means a shout of victory, a voice of triumph. 
man, they're, they're shouting triumph before they've even gone to battle. They're shouting triumph when they just got up off their faces. And early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. What? What? Hold on. Singers, what? Ahead of the army? Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Hold on, that's not supposed to work that way. No, we're supposed to sing and rejoice after the victory, not before the victory. Come on. When do you cheer for your team? After they, after they win, you, you make merry, man. amen, get really loud. Not after they lose. At the very moment, opening verse, they begin to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah, the praisers, they arrived first. They looked out in the wilderness and they saw all their dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. I love this. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. They had a word. Send the singers, the praisers out ahead of the army. We have a word for 2024. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Man. They didn't rejoice after the battle was won. They rejoiced before they even went into battle. They obeyed. God worked miraculously on their behalf and the enemy turned themselves and destroyed each other. Militant worship, don't miss this. Militant worship caused chaos in the kingdom of darkness. Ella, you want to come on up? Your dad, whoever's going to come up with you. Caused chaos in the kingdom of darkness. She's getting ready to get water baptized. That's what I believe prophetically is going to happen tonight in our militant worship for an hour. And we're going to have communion. We're going to have unity. It's going to be a special, amazing night. And as I close this out, the enemy will do whatever he can. Family Fellowship to keep us from this time of worship. And this is why in the last days, our worship must have a hint of violence or a hint of militancy behind it. Why? Because Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Because there's always something, someone, something trying to keep us from it. And in 2024, it's time for a renewed revelation of militant worship at Family Life Fellowship. Why? To take the atmosphere back for the glory and the presence and the power of God. Because let me tell you, the enemy, it's the prince and power of the air. But guess what? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And victory is ours. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed.
So right now, there might be a battle waging in your heart and your mind. To accept Jesus or not accept Jesus? Well, I'll clean my life up. You don't know what I've done. Well, I'll, I'll do it later. I'm not ready to change right now. Whatever, whatever all that stuff is. But the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And tomorrow is not promised to anyone. And so we've been warned for your spirit. We've been believing that this is going to be your moment. Ella has made a decision already. And now she's going public with her faith by being water baptized. But right now you need to make that decision and say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Jesus, like that song said, I surrender you my sins, my failures, my mistakes. And when you let those sins and failures and guilt and shame go away, you create square footage in your heart for Jesus to come and reside and the Holy Spirit to come and reside. You sort of make that prayer however you need to make that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to fill out that connect card in the seat backs in front of you. There will be people up here to pray for you at the end, or you can drop in the black boxes. If you can find me, I would love to hug your neck and tell you congratulations. But we want to become alongside you because you're not meant to do life alone. Family Fellowship, give it up for those who might have made a decision to give their hearts to Christ.